You're listening to Discovering Multifamily, where we discuss all educational topics in commercial real estate with an emphasis on multifamily apartment investing via syndication. And now your hosts, former NFL fullback Brian Leonard and Anthony Scandariato. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Discovering Multifamily podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Scandariato with Property. And today we have a special guest with us, Chris Seveny. And Chris is a senior level executive. Uh, he's got over 20 years of leadership experience in managing um, very complex real estate projects. Um, he's been involved in over a billion new construction and renovation projects, um, particularly as it relates to mostly multifamily. He's done some office and retail and uh, mixed use and some government as well. But um, obviously it shows catered around multifamily. But Chris has a pretty interesting um, side business, if you want to call it, from uh, his day-to-day job. Um, he's actually a director of construction at Tower Companies in um, the Maryland area. And uh, it's uh, node investing. So we're going to talk about what he does and how, um, you know, how you can use node investing as an investment vehicle that's a little bit different than traditional uh, equity investing. Uh, so I definitely want to hear his perspective and what he's up to and how that relates to multifamily and um, uh, the commercial side. So thanks for coming on, Chris. Thanks, Anthony. How are you doing today? Great. Great. Can't be better. So thanks for coming on. and um, Love to hear more about how'd you get started in, in note investing and what are you focusing on and uh, how can you educate me and, and my audience? Yeah, so I got started in note investing uh, about three, four years ago. And how I got started was, you know, like I said, I've been in real estate and construction for over 20 years. And I started out for 10 years working for a large commercial general contractor up in Boston. Uh, and this was from 97 to 07. And during that time, a lot of multifamily was going on in that area. And then, of course, we all know what happened in 2008. And uh, at that point in time, I relocated down to the DC market and actually was still with the same firm up in Boston and uh, doing some work down here. But after four or five years, you know, you start to get burnt out working on general contractor side. So I, I made a flip to the development side and I was working for a local DC uh, based developer that all they did was residential. And I was overseeing their multifamily division and the uh, vice president I was working for uh, also um, you know, had a lot of other inv- personal investments. And that's the biggest difference I noticed from you know, working on the GC side to I think the you know, development side is developers side is much more entrepreneurial in the sense of the GC side, honestly, you just work in, you know, seven to seven, six days a week. You, you don't have time for anything else. And then on the development side, you know, hey, you put all those headaches onto the GC and let him manage the 50 subs on the job. So I started buying up some, um, you know, buy and hold rentals in the area, which needed some rehab. So I was doing that. But with a wife and kids, you can't scale that. And it was very difficult to scale while also working the nine to five. So I landed upon, um, saw someone who did note investing. And I thought it was interesting because, you know, having been in real estate for almost 20 years at the time, I never heard of it. 
and you know basically what note investing is and I do it on the residential side you can do it on commercial multifamily which we'll talk about in a minute uh, because you know there's going to be a lot of opportunities I think coming down the pipeline for investors in that business and what it is is you know the banks sell loans that are distressed and they'll sell them to hedge funds and they make their way down and you know most people ask the first question well why are you buying debt that's distressed? You know, the person's not paying. And, you know, the comment to that is because I'm buying it at 30 to 50 cents on the dollar. So if somebody owes 100,000 on their mortgage, you know, you need to know what the property's worth um, as well. That's a major component. But if you're paying maybe 30 to 50,000 for this debt, it gives you a lot more flexibility to work out a renegotiation with that borrower to get them on a repayment plan. Um, and that's really the focus. I, di- I don't do it to try and get the property. I do it to try and help borrowers um, and rework the deal, you know, basically rework the deal with them, you know, just like uh, what's going on in today's world with, you know, leases and other deals, um, you know, lenders are reworking the financials because at the end of the day, you know, as the lender on this, I don't want the property. I'm lending, you know, for a specific reason. And uh, so, you know, I did some training online with some people and kind of, you know, having that real estate background, um, you know, really assisted in understanding that component as well as kind of the finance component. Because when you start reviewing these things, it's kind of you run the performer, look at the yields, look at your exit strategies, um, similar to almost like a multifamily deal in that sense, where you really want to run through everything to see where it lands and make sure uh, you're hitting your uh, target IRRs on these things. Sure. So you're dealing with it on, it sounds like the single family side. How does the financing aspect work for this distressed debt from your perspective? How do you look at your underwriting compared to a commercial multifamily that's traditional equity investments? Yep. So the way it typically works is it's very similar um, where you either bring in a, a, a partner or, you know, raise money through a fund. The difference is, uh, the major difference is the returns on a typical deal with a multifamily, you know, you may come in with 20% equity and, you know, give a pref with, um, you know, basically an 80-20 split or something along those 75-25. And note investing, the typical deals are the investor brings all the money, the sponsor is the one doing the work, and profits get split 50-50. So, you know, it's, you're not, you're, it's a much different scale you know, in this fact of a $20, $50 million multifamily or even, you know, $2, $3 million multifamily compared to a $50, $100,000 investment. And that's kind of why the split, it's still going to make sense for the sponsor on that uh, component to it. But from a yield perspective, um, you know, on distressed debt, I target a a 30%, um, you know, IRR and on the, um, you know, performing side, trying to get in the mid teens. So, you know, and on average, I'd say, you know, you're typically, if you're doing it right, you'll hit in the low twenties to 30. So, you know, when you end up looking at the split, um, you know, the investors getting somewhere in the mid teens is the target that you, you, you know, I, that, that I target. So, you know, it's varied for other people, but typically it's, um, you know, you try and target mid teens returns for the investor. Sure. And so how do you find these opportunities? It's not like the banks, like you mentioned, the banks reach out to hedge funds and other institutions. Mm -hmm. First, Mm -hmm. how do you get in with that network? 
Yeah. And it is, it's, you know, it's like the, you know, the old boys club, you know, it's similar to multifamily when you're trying to source deals in a certain market, you got to know who the players are. It's a really small niche industry. Uh, you know, and again, there's a residential, the, the commercial side, it's, you know, I dabbled a little bit in the commercial side, um, on a few, you know, I got an eight unit, um, in the Midwest, but, and that is typically, you know, commercial lenders who've got something that's distressed, but a lot of times it's an office building that's going to be really challenging and, you know, what they're looking to get for the paper is probably more than what most people are willing to take on the risk for. Um, but on the, on the residential side, it's typically, you know, the larger funds, um, you know, getting to know them and, you know, basically building a relationship with them and making sure that you're somebody who will close it deals, you know, similar to every aspect of real estate, they want to make sure it's somebody who's going to step in, close the deal on time and not, you know, basically uh, give somebody a runaround. And, you know, a lot of times where you'll find some assets is, you know, a lot of these funds are closed end funds. So they've got, um, you know, they got a sunset period on them. And if you can find out when that sunset period is, you know, three to six months before that sunset period is, you know, you're basically like a shark, you know, in, in blood infested waters, because a lot of these funds are starting to look to liquidate a lot of those assets. And as it gets closer to that period, point in time, you know, the better the deal you might be able to get, but you got to be careful because a lot of the good stuff sells early and what's left is usually, um, you know, the worst paper that's out there. So, you know, a lot of due diligence is involved with, you know, title reports and, you know, uh, and, you know, and doing, you know, getting appraisals on properties and it's challenging because you don't get access inside the property. You have no clue what it's going to look like on the inside. It's literally a, you know, somebody on the outside because you don't own the property. You're just, uh, you know, trying to guesstimate what the value is to make sure you're not overpaying for the loan in case you do have to take it back down the down the road. Yeah. Can you talk about that due diligence process mm -hmm. a little bit more? How is it different than traditional? And you mentioned one way is the time frame also different to conduct your due diligence well, than traditional? It's, yeah, it's much different. Uh, depending on, you know, most of the stuff I buy is in, you know, pools of, you know, 10 to 50 to 100 assets. And when you're doing that, typically this, you're closing, you know, in about two to three weeks. It is lightning fast. And, you know, when the, the way the process works is they'll put out what's called a tape, which is a list of assets that give some specific information. What's the unpaid balance, the interest rate, principal and interest, last, pay, last due date, last payment date, um, estimated value of property, which is really like an, an AVM, which is, you know, basically worth, it's like a Zillow value. Um, and, you know, so you'll bid off of that. And, you know, your bid is... Um, you know, basically it's, you know, it's based off of limited information. So once you, you know, once it gets accepted, um, a lot of times you will adjust your bid down the line because if they thought it was worth 150 and it's only worth 120, you know, you're bidding off of the lower of a percentage typically of the lower of the value of the unpaid balance or the property value. Cause when you run it through your modeling, you know, the, your foreclosure, you know, what you can get for the property, if, the values less adjust um, the the returns on that. So, you know, the first thing you know I do is I always make sure I already have boots on the ground in that area. So I'll have typically a property manager and a realtor go by the property, take a lot of photos, kind of get a feel for what's the property look like. Does it got three inches of grass? Is there a pit bull running in the yard? You know, 
things, you know, is there, you know, a lot of times, you know, is there pride of ownership in the property? That's the, because typically what the outside looks like usually mirrors the inside um, in some sense. So that's the one component is understanding, okay, what's the value of the property? The other component is, you know, you're doing, you know, full-blown title search on the property because you want to make sure I only buy first position liens. You know, there's HELOCs and things people can buy. So you want to make sure you're in first position, you know, have the taxes been paid? Are there liens on the property? Is the, um, the assignment chain from the original mortgager down the line to, you know, whoever's selling it in order, because if there's a break in the chain, you know, that can impact your foreclosure if you need to foreclose. Um, the other key component that you want to get is, you know, these are all serviced by third parties uh, to make for Dodd-Frank and everything. You never want to service your own loans. You want a, another company to collect all those payments and you want to get their comments because you can find out people's life stories, what they tell these servicers of why they haven't paid or what the discussion is. Cause you'll find some borrowers are, just that professional borrowers where they've been able to go three, four, five years without making a payment and still be able to stay in the house. Uh, so, you know, in a lot of times, some of these people, they'll use it as rentals. They'll get the rental, they'll collect the payments. And, you know, lo and behold, you know, some of these hedge funds, they have so many loans. Some of them, they just put to the back burner and don't pay attention to it. So person's like out of sight, out of mind, I'm collecting rent. I don't have to pay. And eventually they're going to come for me, but, you know, in the meantime, I might as well keep doing what I'm doing. Um, so yeah, the due diligence is, you know, it, it's a very quick, you know, you got to have your ducks in a row because typically, like I said, sellers want you to close in, you know, two to four weeks, depending on the size of the, the package that you're buying. And then the interesting thing is once you close, you're basically, then it's like, oh, then you kind of just sit and wait. You know, when you close on a multifamily building, it's like, hey, I own it. Now I can start implementing everything. This is the exact opposite because what needs to happen is whoever you're using to collect the payments, all that data is going to get transferred, which takes about a month. And then they have to send out a letter once it's transferred to say, hey, this is where you send payments to. And they have the person has 30 days to uh, review and confirm the debt. So, you, you rush, rush, rush to close a deal. Then you sit back for two months with, you know, twiddling your thumbs uh, from that perspective. So that's, you know, very different from, you know, the conventional real estate. Now, what's one thing why also I got into this was, you know, I, I joke that I do this from midnight to two because you can do this at any point in time during the day. You know, when I'm bidding on an asset, I can do it at night. If I need somebody to go buy the property, hey, I can send them an email um, at night and maybe they go by during the day. But it's one of those things where, you know, it's not like I'm looking to buy property locally where, okay, I got to coordinate with an agent, get in at this time. And I've got soccer, basketball, swimming, dance, you know, with all the kids. And it's like, okay, when can I go look at this property? Um, Cause honestly, I don't have that time. So that's one of the key reasons why I got into this is, you know, go back to my project management days of the GC side. You know, I'm project managing essentially um, remotely wherever in the world you can do this. You could do this on an Island somewhere, as long as you have internet essentially um, because you're outsourcing everything. Sure. No, it sounds very interesting. And, and like you said, some aspects still relatable to traditional commercial multifamily equity investments. 
um, mm -hmm. besides the waiting period when you close. Um, <laughs> that's something I don't know if I could stomach with. As yeah. soon as we close, I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. The biggest difference is, and again, investors who invest in that multifamily realm, you know, when you send them or, you know, the, the, uh, the PPM or the documentation and they see how the structure is like, wait a second, I'm used to getting, you know, you know, an eight pref for, you know, with an eight, you know, 80, 20 split with me getting an 80, you know, on some of your funds, it's, you know, uh, maybe a 10 pref, but it's 80, 20, the other way around. Um, but when you look at, you know, you know, the minimal management fee and it's, you know, call it, you know, these are, large, you know, depends on the size of the fund, you know, if it's a $2 million or a $5 million fund, when you look at, you know, a 1% management fee, that's, you know, 50 grand a year, uh, you know, and then from the equity splits and so forth, it's not, you know, for the sponsor, you know, it's got to be catered to that um, percentage just so they can actually, you know, it makes it worth their while, which is what you want, because you don't want, of course, your sponsor not having, you know, part of the investment, you know, getting the part of return because, you know, if the management starts to go, you know, south, you know, what's, you know, are they really going to, you know, take the most focus on it from that perspective? Sure. So. Sure. Definitely. And how long have you been note investing, Chris? For? Uh, four years. So uh, basically started four years ago and it took me about six months to really, you know, pull the trigger. Uh, on it. And the way I started doing it was um, when I'd switch jobs, um, I transfer instead of transferring the money from one, you know, company's 401k to the other. And again, this was another thing that blew my mind was they're like, Oh, you can just, you know, self-direct your retirement funds. I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, yeah, you can just go put them in an account with, you know, quest trust or mid Atlantic IRA and do what you want with them, invest in real estate. And I was like, damn, nobody, you know, there's this stuff that, you know, you're so busy, you don't even know this stuff exists. So I rolled all that money into um, an IRA and I just started, you know, buying some notes and I started out buying some low dollar ones just to learn the process, you know, who are the players, who do I need to hire? What are, you know, some of the attorneys who's, you know, who do you want to be involved with? And I found, you know, my general counsel's an attorney out of Maryland who he's a I love, you know, he's a rock star and I love him and he is a real estate investor and he represents a lot of large hedge funds. So he knows this business and, you know, he's basically kind of the little guy on my shoulder because he keeps me out of trouble. I'm always ultra conservative uh, in, you know, in how I approach things, but he kind of mimics that. So we, we work very well together. So, you know, and it just from there, you know, the first year really was just kind of get up and going. And then once you get going, it's kind of like riding a bike, you know, and same thing with multifamily, you know, after you get the first one or first few, you get that itch and then, you know, you get financing or lending partners and then you start building, uh, you know, the relationships with people and then, you know, people start bringing you deals. And once that starts happening, you know, you continue, the growth just goes exponentially. Sure. Uh, and so for our listeners, how can they find you, Chris, if they want to learn more about note investing? And cause it sounds like it didn't take you too, too long. The learning curve wasn't too, too bad, um, a few months. So I'd love for, if some of my listeners are, um, encouraged yeah. by what you hear by Chris, definitely to reach out to you and, and to learn more. Yeah. So to learn more, I do have a podcast called the good deeds note investing podcast where kind of I've told my story through the podcast. And if you want to reach out to me via email, you can reach me at uh, Chris at, then it's the number seven, the letter E, then the word investments.com. So Chris at seven E investments.com. Or, you know, you can reach me on my cell phone at 202-304-2784.
Great. And we'll have a link to uh, all the websites, phone numbers, and emails that Chris just mentioned in the comment section on our social media and also in the iTunes section of the Discovering Multifamily podcast. So you'll be able to reach out to Chris directly or feel free to reach out to me and I'll put you in touch with Chris. So Chris, we're just going to wind down the show now. Really uh, appreciate you coming on today and uh, it definitely learned a lot. Um, I'm not too used to the note investing. I've looked at some deals and can never really wrap my head around it. So love to talk online, offline after. And um, thanks again for coming on. Thank you for having me on. And yeah, definitely happy to chat offline and, uh, you know, tell you a little bit more about it. And also, you know, want to talk offline too about kind of some of the opportunities that are probably coming in the commercial realm um, with the defaults and so forth with the paper. Be happy to share my thoughts on that. Great. Thank you. Appreciate it.